listening to The Big Interview Show. That's right. You are listening to The Big Interview Show. Welcome to the uh, May 28th edition of The Big Interview Show. The second edition of this program, I was off the air last week. I had some some nice vacation in uh, in Mammoth Cave in Cave City, and it's going to be back here on the other side of the radio with you in another edition of this show on the air. I want to be sure and uh, let everybody know that uh, this show will be eventually available uh, as a podcast. I'm currently at this exact moment waiting for the good folks at Apple to approve uh, my iTunes uh, podcast submission uh, and chances are by the time you hear this unless you're hearing it live on the radio which is my hope uh, that the, this will be available for download uh, in the very very near future glad to be here on the radio uh, joined by uh, Carl Walling of the UC theater department uh, thanks thanks for being on the show Carl oh thank you I'm really glad to be here um, so this this show is, is, as you know, a work in progress, and we're still trying to figure out what exactly I'm trying to do with it. Uh, but the goal, if you missed uh, the first episode a couple weeks ago, everybody, is to just really sit down with somebody that uh, is, is local, that's that's doing something interesting, and just really to talk about everything. The, the belief in this show is that everybody has a story worth telling, and, and we'll just take an hour to, to find out uh, Mr. Walling's story and uh, learn a little bit about his life and, and what he's up to and, and uh, hopes and dreams and uh, accomplishments and all sorts of good stuff. So I hope you're ready for that, Carl. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and so we like to start in the beginning, uh, not not to necessarily the story of your birth, uh, but uh, maybe just a little bit about your early life. Uh, what was it like growing up? Where did you grow up? Uh, that sort of thing. Uh, well, uh, I grew up, uh, I was born in uh, Brownsville, Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of, uh, my parents moved around a lot, not as much as some, but um, a fair amount. Uh, I lived in Brownsville, then Corpus Christi, uh, then moved out to New Jersey, uh, mid, mid New Jersey, a town no one's ever heard of, um, and then eventually uh, settled in Lindenburg, Pennsylvania, uh, when I was about in second grade. Wow. Um, do you mind if I ask uh, what what they did since you ended up moving a lot? Um, my dad was uh, was an engineer with Dupont Company. Oh, cool. Uh, worked a lot with uh, kind of uh, how do I want to put it? Uh, like water treatment, kind of uh, processing things like that. Um, he was a civil engineer, um, and then got involved with that. Uh, my mother was a substitute teacher uh, for most of her uh, career, so um, we moved around a lot with them. Uh, mm-hmm. And he worked in plants. Oh, I want to say uh, Louisiana, uh, worked a little bit in Mexico, um, crossing the border for Texas and back, yeah. uh, Texas, and then up in New Jersey uh, for a good part of his career. So, How old were you when you left Texas, would you say? Four. Do you remember much of anything? Is, is I, everything bigger in Texas? Maybe if you're four, it um, sure seems bigger. I don't know. It's funny. Uh, I remember very little from uh, when I was that young. Um, I remember a little bit about the house that uh, my parents lived in, mm-hmm. um, but not much other than that. Um, when grew up a little bit lo- uh, older, about freshman in high school, we went back out to Texas to kind of see everything again. Yeah. And I think my parents really wanted to kind of go back there and see what life was. Um, and, you know, nothing really clicked. You know, it was just one of those things where it just didn't quite register. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for the most part, a lot of my memories are from uh, the Pennsylvania, Delaware area. Now, um 
obviously each each area, uh, each really community even, but certainly uh, each uh, uh, geographic region kind of have it, has its own culture. What's what was life like growing up in Pennsylvania? Uh, very interesting. Um, <laughs> Uh, I always consider myself more of a Delawarean, which is probably going to get a lot of Delawareans really upset. Um, but um, I grew up right on the state line between Pennsylvania and Delaware, uh, mm-hmm. literally 50 meters from uh, the Delaware line. So half of my subdivision was in Delaware, half of it was in PA. Um, so um, given that locality, um, we're about 45 minutes from Lancaster, about an hour from uh, Philadelphia. Uh, really the things to do, things like going uh, to church, participating in things like Boy Scouts, you know, yeah. just general shopping for whatever you know, needed to be done. We, all, we did it all in Delaware. So um, I did, other than go to high school, middle school, a little bit of elementary school in, in Pennsylvania, I did nothing else really in PA. Uh, everything else was in Delaware. Um, lots of things to do in Delaware, not that a lot of people notice this. Huh? <laughs> um, there's a uh, fair amount of really great beaches on mm-hmm. the Del- on the Delaware coast. Uh, Wilmington is actually a pretty nice city. I know there are uh, parts of it that, you know, people get a little nervous about. But that's that's any city. But that's but, any yeah. city, yeah. exactly. Um, there's some really great uh, opera company there. There's some really great theater companies there. And the University of Delaware is basically like 10 minutes away from my house. So uh, all the ice sports and everything else that relates to uh, kind of a college life cool. in mid- mid-Atlantic was there. Cool. We'll talk about uh, opera and, and uh, those ice sports and all those things. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, and I think, to, to be fair, I mean, especially to the, to the local audience listening here, I think there's enough people that can probably identify with that. I mean, we're, we're obviously right between Kentucky and Tennessee, and there's a lot of people <laughs> going back and forth uh, here here in this community from one to the other. So uh, that, that may not be as strange as, as it may seem. Uh, to, to somebody who doesn't live on a border of another state. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Um, and so uh, what were you like as as a kid, uh, if you had to describe yourself, and, and there was no judgment involved, because I don't know, you can make it up. Uh, well, well, how would you describe uh, young Carl Wally? Um, just active. Um I did a lot of things, participated in a lot of sports, uh, a lot of kind of organizations, um, you know, just tried to do a lot of different things and uh, have fun doing it, uh, whether it's music, um, going singing for uh, various choirs growing mm-hmm. up, um, or going and participating in the high school, pl- you know, high school plays, or um, going to play a sport, um, whether that's baseball, soccer, tennis, whatever, yeah. you know. Um, so I always tried to do a lot um, while I was growing up. Now, did you, you, did you say you were in Boy Scouts? I was. How long were you in Boy Scouts? Uh, I was in Cub Scouts, um, oh gosh. Um, think back. Think back, back yes. to the day. Yes. Um, the, I forget the different ranks at this moment. I think Bobcat was the first rank. Yeah, there's, there's Bobcat, Wolf, Wolf um, Bear. Yeah, and then the we blows. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, definitely disgusted. wolf. Um, wolf all the way up to uh, first class Boy Scout. Oh, cool. Um, so I was um, involved. I was a senior patrol leader uh, for the uh, troop that I was in, um, which was the oldest uh, troop in Delaware at the time. Uh, I don't know if they're active anymore. Um, they were kind of phasing out. Yeah. Um, but I did a lot with them um, in terms of just kind of, you know, I was just. Um, Mid-range guy. I never finished Eagle. 
yeah. didn't, wasn't really interested in it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I have great respect. I don't know if you did or yeah, not. I, I did not. You know, uh, obviously, since I could name all those uh, badges off, I obviously was in Scouts. I was pretty similar. Sounds like about the same amount of time. Only, but by the time I, I, you know, I got all the badges and, and things for Cub Scouts. But by the time I got to Boy Scouts, I, I, I find myself, I found myself kind of in a similar situation to what you described in that I just wanted to go camping with my friends. I didn't really care what rank I was. I, mm-hmm. I didn't really aspire to be an Eagle Scout. So it was just like, well, I'll, I'll wear this uniform and, and if I get to go camping with my friends and canoeing and that sounds great. So I, I understand. I understand that. Um, you know, that, that experience for me had a, a lot of, of uh, uh, meaningful friendships and I think a lot of skills that I, I just, you know, if I'm being honest, I find myself still using them mm-hmm. um, two decades later or something. Uh, what about you? Uh, about the same. Um, it's kind of funny. I really stopped um, when I started to max out on the merit badges that, you know, I was really interested yeah. in. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't the merit badges that, you know, that most you need for Eagle. Yeah. Um, so I did, uh, you know, the first aid, emergency preparedness, you know, the Eagle badges. Uh, and then I did things like art, um, theater, music, uh, which are not... Yeah, you know, the well sought out uh, badges mm-hmm. in sc- in the scouting community. Um, uh, I think they call them electives, if I recall. Yeah, I think that's um, right. So um, once I started getting those, and kind of once I exhausted the ones I was really interested in, I just lost interest, um, which is horrible. But um, I had a lot of really great friends from there. Yeah, um, and certainly it was very beneficial. So I look back on the badges, like you're saying, um, and I think to myself, well. You know, what do I use in my day-to-day life? Yeah. Well, I certainly use first aid, emergency preparedness, you know, music, art, you know, theater. So, yeah, uh, I guess it all kind of comes full circle. It really does. You know, um, this is not a, a glowing endorsement of the Boy Scouts. They're not the official sponsor of the program. <laughs> they can contact me if they'd like. Um, but uh, I think, you know, even if it's just something like tying the 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 rope that is it is, is our clothesline between a couple of trees it's like oh i'll just put a clove hitch here and this one is like oh i still remember how to tie that knot you know probably i don't know i could do the math 18 years after i, I first mastered it or something mm-hmm. um so that is pretty useful let me ask you this question especially since i, I just got back from vacation uh, a few days ago do you find it um, obviously the the scout slogan uh, be prepared if you're not familiar mm-hmm. do you find that affects the way that you pack because it does me <laughs> and, and I think it drives my wife and anybody else that's ever seen my luggage crazy but I'm I tend to think well I, what if this I might need this extra this or mm-hmm. this I mean maybe it's just me but I was just curious you know it's funny I, I, there's so many different ways of interpreting that I think yeah um, you know I remember when I first went uh, overseas um, to do some theater research and take part. It was a 21-day studying uh, experience um, between the former Balkan countries and and, uh, Czech Republic. And I thought, I'm going to need all these things. You know, I'm going to need a first, you know, part of a first aid kit. I'm going to need, you know, all the things you would think that you would need. What if it gets wet? What if it snows? You know, it's the middle of summer, but what if it snows? Um, Because it's happened. So um, I remember going through that entire um, adventure, had a f- suitcase full of things that, frankly, I, I didn't need at the time. Um, yeah. And then I realized that, you know, one of the things that I lost uh, sight of in Scouts is this idea of, you know, u- utility, that everything that you bring can have multiple purposes. The bandana that can be used for first aid, you know, for first yeah. aid or um, the various uh, other 
roll of dolls can be used for a variety of different uh, applications. Um, so I started to pack more smartly, I guess, and yeah. started to reduce what I needed. And, you know, for the most part, now I don't necessarily go anywhere outside of Europe or Asia. So yeah. um, for the most part, I have access in case there's an emergency to something that I would desperately need. Um, but for the most part, that covers everything that you know, one could never want. Yeah. So I found myself packing less and less and less. And this last time um, I went overseas, I went to uh, Shanghai, and I probably carried little tiny carry-on bag for a whole week, um, which is the way I should have done it in the beginning, yeah. um, instead of lugging around a huge suitcase. Um, and that's all I needed. Um, so, I don't know, I feel like I'm getting more and more uh, utility with yeah. the things I pack. I don't know about you, if that's something you've discovered mm, or... No. <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, I think, uh, kudos to you for, for being adaptable and versatile, I think. Uh, you mentioned also not just uh, scouts growing up, but uh, some, some sports. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned... Uh, a lot of things. What all did you play? And then especially uh, as you reach adulthood, did you also play any sports? Uh, before we talk about theater, which is obviously going to be the, the big bulk of our interview. Mm -hmm. um, I just played a lot of different things. Uh, I was kind of, you know, I was growing up at a time when, um, you know, in the 90s and the late 80s where Little League Baseball was very, was very big. Um, and I think it still is today, but in different ways. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, did a little league for a while, had some friends for that, um, realized that I was terribly bad at it. Um, uh, could get a lot of walks, could steal a couple bases, couldn't hit a ball, um, could field, <laughs> couldn't hit a ball. Um, tends to be a downer when you try out for middle school teams and things like that. So mm. I just stopped playing. Um, then I went from that to soccer, which I still play a little bit today. Hmm. Um, Enjoy it a lot. Um, never made anything other than just your recreational team. Um, then went over to tennis for a little bit. I feel like I always went from seasonal sport to seasonal sport. So, you know, going from baseball to soccer. Soccer is more of a fall sport in mm -hmm. America. Um, then going um, over to um, playing a little bit of, I'm blanking on it already, uh, to tennis. More, of, you know, either a fall or a spring sport. Right. Um, played that uh, junior varsity twice um, and then uh, had an unfortunate day where um, I was basically told that I wouldn't be uh, varsity ever on the team which uh, was you know you always hate those moments right. um, which w in, in retrospect was a great thing because I ended up uh, lettering in varsity track for two years because of it so I just went from one sport to another and hung out with a lot of my friends um, so I did that for a couple of years what did you do in track? Uh, high hurdles and sprint wow okay um so I uh, did that for a while. Um, then I got, went to college, uh, continued playing a little bit of tennis, a little soccer, but not on a college you know, team. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, eventually uh, got to Bowling Green, for, uh, where I was working on my doctor and still am, yeah. um, and uh, picked up the sport of curling which was just kind of this odd sport that no one would ever, you know, it's so regional at times right. that you can't find it everywhere. Because um, the rest of us look at curling as that thing they do at the Olympics late at night. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's like chess on ice is usually how it's described. Um, and, you know, it's a fabulous little team sport. Uh, you get a lot of exercise uh, playing it. Um, and you, it's a lot of fun. Um, but you have to, a lot of the major curling um, rinks, if you will, um, or sheets of ice are in 
you know, Ohio, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and of course, Canada. Um, although there is one in Knoxville, believe it or not. Um, oh. So um, there are several, played that, uh, played that for four years in uh, college, played on the college team, for whatever that's worth. Um, we went to a couple national tournaments. Um, we did relatively well. Um, and then uh, still play a little bit of curling and a little soccer today. Very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, curling is something that, that we've talked about off the air um, mm-hmm. because I've always been fascinated by it. I really first discovered it, I guess I was in grad school uh, getting my master's uh, in Knoxville, actually, um, and was, was trying to figure out, you know, what is this thing that is on the Olympics? Um, and, you know, I remember watching it with my friends and us being really really enthralled by it, um, the sweeping of the ice, the, the, the target, and, and not really getting it. when um, It's not that complicated to understand. Um, but what drew you to curling? I mean, you could have spent your time doing a lot of other things. Um, you know, it's just uh, partly it was the people who I got to curl, uh, play with. That, that was good fun. Um, I found that I used a lot of kind of uh, things that I, I enjoyed in sports, agility, sprint speed, you know, things that yeah. I done in other sports um and there's just something about you know cold weather sports i also enjoy um just being on the rink is something very uh relaxing actually um so uh that was interesting i like that it's a team sport i like their strategy involved and everybody is integral to that strategy yeah, if absolutely um if you miss your first shot you can recover but it just gets a whole lot more difficult um so um but you're so dependent on everybody else to do their parts that if they don't do it, you know, it's much more noticeable, I think, than in other sports. You know, your, yeah. you know, catcher doesn't hit well in baseball. You put him on the ninth, uh, you know, on the ninth in the bat- or batting order and your first eight hitters hopefully will get runs. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is true a lot of sports. I mean, if you have one outstanding basketball player and the other four guys on the court are horrible, mm-hmm. you still might win. Yes. In some sports like curling, that's not going to happen. No. Period. Interesting, interesting. Um, obviously, you're a professor of theater arts mm-hmm. here at the University of the Cumberlands. Uh, when did you first become interested in, in theater? Were you always drawn to the stage, or was there a certain um, a certain play that you watched or a certain experience that you had that really uh, really caused you to devote your, your life to it? When did that first uh, pique your interest? Oh, wow. Um, well, I think... I remember growing up and I was involved in plays, you know, in elementary school, middle school, yeah. going forward. Um, my first kind of uh, attempt at lighting, I guess, was when I uh, was in middle school. And they gave us a couple circuit breakers, and which was horrible. Um, <laughs> now that I think back on it, you know, flip the circuit breaker and the lights overhead, you know, turn on and off. And it's just like, oh, okay. Um, meanwhile, as I'm acting in the show, so I'm running off stage <laughs> to make my exit and then turning wow. the light changes. Um but I uh, had a lot of good That's fun. Funny. Yeah, um, participated in the musicals in high school. Um, didn't really think much of it. Uh, went yeah. to college. Uh, hit, wanted to major in actually political science and history. Hmm. Um, uh, did the first musical. Got coaxed into it. Um, that's how, hor- that's how they get you. It, it is. Um, although in this case it didn't uh, because I had such a horrible experience with it, um, and it was no reflection on anybody at, at the university. It was just. It just didn't gel. What, what was the show? Um, the show was Kiss Me, Kate. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, just didn't have a good time with it. Um, said I, I yeah. won't do it. Um, and then eventually uh, got coaxed into uh, doing a play called the Spoon River Anthology and go and audition. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the long and short of it is uh, I had a couple friends who were auditioning and they wanted me to come along and tag um, and I did that um, and they got me into audition like we really like to cast you blah 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 it was a student directed show um, and I basically said you know I'm not really interested in this um, I just came because everybody else told me to come I was at least you know honest about it like well how about tech I can yeah. do tech uh, so next thing I know, I'm master electrician on my on the second show in college um, in October, and I really found kind of an interest in lighting that yeah. I was interested in before. I uh, slowly picked up a theater minor, uh, became a theater business major, a theater administration major for a little bit, and then my last two years there, I became a full out uh, theater design uh, major, um, which was good fun. Uh, yeah. So. Um, to answer your question, when did I know yeah, when yeah, it was yeah. going to be the career? Um, really, uh, when I got into, oh, I want to say it was my senior year, um, I designed a couple shows, you know, had some fun. I wasn't sure if I was going to do theater administration, uh, which seemed to be a far safer path. Um, yeah. And still is today. Um, or to go into uh, design, which is a little bit more... Um, you know, your next job may be in Toledo, your next one may be in Albany, right. your next one in Cleveland. Um, and what I ended up finding was I did this production of Children of Eden. Um, fantastic little show. Um, it was part of a uh, chapel, uh, what they call a chancel drama. It was affiliated with the university uh, chaplain's office as well as um, the actual uh, theater program in it. In an indirect way. Mm -hmm. uh, so a bunch of us came back early from fall break, uh, sorry, from winter break. Uh, we had a week to kind of get jump-started and yeah. move forward, and I did the lights for that. And there was just something about that show that everything clicked. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but in tech, it just all clicked and it made sense, and I was just going to go and, and do this thing. Uh, and then I designed <laughs> another three shows after that before in my last semester there. Um and then um, went to Erdos and went to grad school and got uh, two really great grad school offers, and I took one of them. So, well, that's that's incredible, mm -hmm. you know. And I think I think anytime they give you a title that that sounds as cool as, as master electrician, oh, that's, yeah. that's going to send you down a certain path. Um, well, that that's really neat, though, and I think. Um, you know, it, it is interesting that you kind of mentioned, you know, having to move around a lot for mm -hmm. for those jobs. And I think, you know, I, I mean. There, there, there are certain majors. I think if you, I don't know, let's pick on accounting. If you choose to major in accounting, it's really clear what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, a lot of times, much much like majoring in communication arts or majoring in art or, or anything kind of more in, in the arts, fine arts kind of things, like theater, um, there, there tend to be not so much concerned students, uh, but I think sometimes concerned parents and saying, well, what are you really going, you know, going to do with this? Um, and uh, I guess um, if, if someone, you know, uh, takes your, your, your path and says, I want to follow what Carl Walling has done and study what he has studied, uh, what, what kind of jobs are there out there? I mean, obviously you have a job here teaching theater, <laughs> but aside from that. Uh, really, theater is kind of an interesting industry. If, um, if you look at something like uh, theater technology, um, just design, well, design, theater management, stage management, um, and just your general technology uh, roles, uh, master electrician or master carpenter or whatnot, yeah. um, you'd be surprised how many industries are affected by them. You know, you've got theater, you have dance, mm -hmm. opera, uh, television, film, 
um, not to mention trade shows, things where, say, a Ford Motor Company, not a sponsor of this program either, uh, I don't think. Yet. <laughs> um, Yet. If Ford Motor Company wants to throw together the Detroit uh, Car Show and wants to do a sure. bunch of nice, um, you know, displays of their cars and also of, you know, kind of their, um, I guess, uh, billboards or things like that. Um, they need to bring in somebody that can light it. They need to bring up somebody who can uh, design a nice uh, layout for them. Uh, and usually those can be filled by theater designers, rock and roll or country artists who go right. on tour, um, general musical tours or any sort of tour. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've seen something that plays in one of the major uh, cities where uh, around here, uh, Louisville, Lexington or uh, Knoxville, and you see a touring show come in of, say, um, um, Beauty and the Beast, um, you know, that show needs to have technicians uh, attached to it uh, as it goes yeah, from city to city. Yeah, absolutely. Plus also technicians to load it in uh, once it gets into the into the site. Uh, I was working in Tallahassee, uh, Florida for a couple of uh, months, um, and one of the shows that I got to do um, as a kind of a freelance technician, um, we loaded in it was some sort of rock concert. I don't remember the name of the band. It was, that, that's okay. Um, we'll assume it was the best band that our listeners can think of. <laughs> yes. Um, and then um, we loaded it in. I want to say there were at least 50 people on the local crew loading in wow. uh, for a good eight hours. And then we switched out and brought in another uh, 40 people to add on to that crew uh, for another eight hours and then loaded out with about 100 some people to load out in two hours. Uh, and that was all local at that time. Um, so it can be a very, um, there can be a lot of labor, uh, a lot of job mm-hmm. opportunities there yeah. if you know what to look for them. Um, cruise ships, believe it or not, uh, as they go from site to site yeah. to site. I, I've never thought about that, but yeah. Um, they have ton, you know, tons of performers uh, as well as stage managers as well as technicians keeping, um, keeping the shows that are on those ships afloat. Um, you know, things like... Uh, you know, your major city kind of variety of shows. They also, match magicians, for example, um, they need to have a touring crew. Uh, yeah. Your Cirque du Soleil, your spectacle shows. Um, I forget the exact numbers uh, I had written down somewhere, but I want to say uh, Cirque du Soleil uh, Ka in Las Vegas had 100 people working the show uh, in terms of technical every wow. day. And that was a permanent job for that person. 100 and people? 100 people. Wow. Not to mention for technician. Not for right. a performer. There's additional people for that. Um, and that's just one of the Cirque shows. And Las Vegas, you know, tends to have about five or six running around. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not that's that chunk. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, I think it's one of those things, like I have a friend of mine that, that uh, has went to work fashion week. Uh, and he would mm-hmm. come back and all of us would say, like, it, it, for being honest, you're like the least fashionable person in America, perhaps. But he was using all his knowledge of, of theater and set design and lighting and things like that mm-hmm. to, to, you know, uh, create um, sets and, and even after parties and all that kind of stuff for, for fashion week in New York. So there are a lot of opportunities there that I don't really think um, uh, you guys get enough credit for. Uh, I think in general, you know, I think um, when somebody thinks theater, um they don't tend to think of the person building the set or setting the lights or running the sound um, as much as they think of, of uh, you know, whoever the actor or actress is or, or maybe the, even the storyline or something like that. So I, I tend to think of, of people in, in your position and uh, in, in, in your particular area as kind of being the unsung heroes, if I'm being honest, of theater. And you may, you may not feel that way or may feel humbled or, or, or strange by that. But I think it's true. I think, you know... Um, 
I think there's a certain uh, amount of, um, I'm not sure what the right word for it is, uh, but a certain amount of something that comes from from the type of person that says, well, I'm going to do all this behind the stage. And, and yeah, if they read their program, they know that, that I did this or, mm-hmm. or so-and-so did the lighting or... Um, or whatever, but it's it's I think often a thankless job. Um, do you find that to to be true, or is that just kind of me thinking too much about it? Well, I think um, it's it's seen in different ways. You know, um, when you go see a play or a musical, and you see you know a gigantic set, or you see uh, you know amazing costumes or lighting or uh, really great sound coming from the chorus. Um, you appreciate and you refer to it as, you know, that that piece was really good or that lighting was really good yeah. and whatnot. You tend not to take the person who's working on it and merge it onto the other. Uh, you see that in, a lot of times in theater reviews uh, where uh, if you're in the major city, you see, you see a lot about, you know, Miss Saigon, here comes the helicopter falling down. Yeah. But you don't talk about kind of the people who came up with the idea in the first That's place. And that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, a lot of American stagecraft was based off of uh, a, a variety of really fabulous uh, designers in the 1920s and 30s, uh, one of which is uh, Robert Edmund Jones, uh, who's sometimes referred to as the father of modern stage design in America. And Robert Edmund Jones always had this idea, and it, strictly based in realism, uh, this idea that, you know, if everything that I've done is created an environment, and the environment doesn't seem too uh, outlandish if it seems natural to what's being communicated in the play yeah. and who cares if the person is known hmm. because the environment was created um, so um, I'm not necessarily a uh, realism advocate yeah. in the theater yeah. but um, there's something about that kind of philosophy that continues forward to today um, the how do I put it um, but I think there are other fields and other uh, professions that have that same thing. You know, I think of uh, journalism, and I might be wrong on this, uh, but when I think of journalism, I think of people like copy editing. And, you know, you don't necessarily have the name attached to the article you copy edited, but you're critical to the overall production. Right, because you're, in essence, as a copy editor, you're making everybody else's work, and it's going to be their byline. You're making it better. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't say, so-and-so made this article much better because they fixed these seven errors and fact-checked. But, yeah, I guess it is is kind of a similar thing. Or um, uh, layout, you know, know, kind of the layout editing. I'm not as familiar with journalism, just this kind of, you see the newspaper, you think it's really wonderfully laid out, but you don't go, oh, well, the feature is by so-and-so. Right. Um, So um, I think it's, maybe there's something like what you know yeah. compatible there in terms of the two field in terms of the two yeah. fields i think i think so i think there's you know um the people you know kind of in the spotlight quite literally sometimes are, are certainly essential but so are, are the people doing the the more behind the scenes kind of work um you i tried to do the math and, and i may be a year off but i if th- you completed three years of teaching here at the university of the Commonwealth? Yes. yes 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 good math is good my eighth grade math teacher is really proud right now um because that's when i got the math award um <laughs> and it's downhill since then um but uh so you've been here at the university of the cumberlands for for three years now mm-hmm. uh, as a professor teaching uh, all sorts of classes uh, just real quick uh, what are some of the classes that you teach here uh, I teach, have taught. Uh, I teach uh, scene design, lighting design, sound design, uh, 
makeup and costumes from a design perspective, um, stagecraft, uh, stage management. I co-teach with my colleague, uh, Dr. Miller, mm -hmm. uh, on uh, arts administration. Um, I teach as well uh, a seminar course on European drama, drama kind of a dramatic literature uh, survey of uh, plays from 1945 on. Yeah. Um, those are kind of the big, and intro to theater. Now, do you have a favorite one that you've taught? So far, I mean, I think part of that depends on the class dynamic. But um, if you if you got to teach just one a whole lot, would there be one that you would say yes more often than not? Uh, I I do enjoy um, I do enjoy teaching dramatic the dramatic literature uh, European drama. I think it's um, it's a variety of uh, different plays and playwrights that um, is good to read and kind of get you a good insight to. Uh, what's going on in Europe at the time. Um, but uh, if I had to say one, um, certainly stage management. I enjoy that. I enjoy teaching that a whole lot um, because you start getting students to think about the larger process of theater. Um, that's not to say that the rest of the classes you don't, but this idea of uh, with stage management that you start realizing uh, as a student, I'm not the only cog in the wheel. Yeah. Um, that, you know, if I miss my rehearsal time, well, then that sets up a lot of other things to have problems down the line. Um, or if there are conflicts being resolved in the theater, I know times when I don't need to participate and times when I do. Yeah. And being able to negotiate those uh, with a little bit of tact and reason uh, as opposed to uh, having this kind of, and usually this isn't the case, but um, having this kind of attitude of, you know, the theater diva stereotype, you yeah. know, yeah. or the control controlling figure um so you get them almost a sense of leadership skills and a little bit of uh diplomacy um uh, which is kind of odd to think in the theater class that you might get something kind of, something like diplomacy or active management going on but we really do need it in the field because uh, there's a lot of people who go into uh theater i've seen it in other places i've been at um sometimes at universities sometimes um at uh, professional theater companies and dance companies where yeah. you always have that one person that just doesn't conform and doesn't understand the whole structure and it just weighs down the entire, mm. the entire organization. Um, and sometimes you can do something about it, sometimes you can't. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing when those times are is very useful. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and do you find that to be, uh, you know, all the classes, uh, mm -hmm. and as well as your work, really, I guess, technically outside of the class as well, to be a reward, rewarding experience? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we have some really wonderful students here. Um, we have um, a lot of, not even just with the majors and minors, but people who come in and help us, uh, uh, whether that's just somebody who's coming into audition for a show and doing a show for one, one semester, and then we might see them three years from then, you yeah. know, when they have more time to do another one, or um, if it's just our work-study students who a variety of them aren't majors uh, or minors. They're just really interested in technical theater, and um, they're going to sign up and learn a lot of really yeah. awesome skills. Um, so um, I think there's a lot of reward to that. You know, it's fun to see students uh, start off and know nothing sometimes about theater um, and then grow through that um, and become somebody who can go off and be... Um, desirable to a theater company to yeah. say here's my resume and the theater company calls you back and says yes we want to hire you or to go to a community theater situation if they're not a major or minor and say hey i've done this and the theater come you know the community theater goes 
we really need somebody to do this. Yeah. So um, if it keeps them involved in theater and they're really uh, interested in their day-to-day, you know, theater being involved in their lives, it's good to see how we can take them a little bit further in that. Yeah. So that's that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, how did you end up here at the University of Cumberland? I meant to ask that a few minutes earlier. Um, well, um, I had gone through um, my Master of Fine Arts at Kent State University, um, and then I wanted to go into doctoral study, so I, I went to Bowling Green State University mm-hmm. for four years. Uh, and then after four years, I kind of went, well, maybe I should get a job. Um, <laughs> and um, I've always wanted to teach. Yeah. Just always wanted to teach. Um, when I was an undergrad, I got to tutor. I got to be a TA, which is kind of unusual. Um, and then go from for a small school um, to do that kind of experience. And then go um, to master's and teach almost every semester I was there. Yeah. Um, one or two courses, depending on what it was. Um, and then go into gra- uh, doctoral and continue teaching. Um, and I've always wanted to do that. So... I just started applying for jobs, and uh, this job came up, and I was really interested in the university, so um, I took it. So, Cool. Was it a bit of a, a culture shock? Uh, I know you, you've said you've been a lot of places. You mentioned Texas, Pennsylvania, Delaware, mm-hmm. and then uh, Bowling Green State is, uh, what, northern Ohio? Uh, northwest. Okay. Um, so any culture shock coming here, as especially as a, a theater professor? Um, I mean, not really. I, I think the... The thing, um, a lot of times when I was uh, going through schools and going to various theater companies, I was always five or six minutes from the nearest, you know, if I was at Kent State, you know, 20 minutes I'm in Akron, 20 minutes I'm up in Cleveland, Uh, Bowling Green, 15 minutes I'm up in Toledo, Mm -hmm. Um, if I want to, 60 minutes I can get up to Detroit. Um, So, um, a lot of cases... um, it took me a little bit to get used to this, um, to being um, in a place where we're, the, where we're doing theater and um, there are some pockets of theater throughout the area, yeah. uh, high school as well as community, um, but uh, established uh, professional company really is kind of, you have to go down to Knoxville mm-hmm. um, or you have to go up to Lexington. Um or further. Right, um, right. So uh, that was a, a little bit of an adjustment for myself um, because I had been close to professional theater companies for a long time. Right. But I keep on, kept on telling myself, but when I was in Susquehanna, when I was at Susquehanna, which was uh, my undergrad, um, there really wasn't anything around. I mean, Harrisburg was kind of mm-hmm. 30 minutes, 45 minutes up to Williamsport, which is not a big theater town. Um, so, um, you know, it's something that I had to get back back used to but I'm glad I did um, it got me kind of focused on a lot of different uh, creative aspects uh, that I uh, about theater that I never really kind of I needed to get refocused on um, because I think I'm more creative now than I was uh, being inundated by theater um, in other places so cool cool so you, you think it's kind of made you more creative uh, I think I think in some ways it has um, I mean I do still travel uh, a lot, you know, internationally. Right. Um, and I live close to Knoxville right now, so uh, I still have some connection down there. But um, for the most part, I mean, it's gotten me kind of thinking about uh, theater in the abstract and thinking about theater uh, in a way that we're, um, with this kind of photorealism theater that film does so well, but theater, yeah, you know, 
you know, do you want to see a photorealistic death of a salesman in the theater or on film? Well, film can do it a lot, lot usually a lot better with more money. Um, theater, we can do it very well, uh, and there are trade-offs there. Um, but for the most part, you end up finding yourself kind of wanting that actual window. You want the actual table. You want the actual chairs and things like yeah. that. Um, and, you know, we can do a lot of that, but even then, there's some sort of artifice artifice there right that yeah, we see yeah. um we um imagine ourselves as an audience that we're actually there whereas films we actually get to shut down for a second and say oh well you know here's here's uh, willie loman's house for all, all of its worth and we don't have to really fill in the blanks right um so in a lot of ways i kind of got thinking about that much more uh how can i uh look at uh creative solutions um in the abstract how can i take something like mm -hmm. into the woods and make milky white into uh, a hand puppet <laughs> which i think is so incredibly fun for jack um this yeah. idea that he hasn't grown up and he still has milky white the puppet that can't be milked or doesn't have any value whatsoever other than just jack yeah um so um but i don't think that would have been a solution in a larger situation um because you know, you want to have the cow, you want to have that, but when you put the cow on stage, does it really convey the same jack? Right. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, you want the jack that's a little bit naive, mm -hmm. uh, the jack that hasn't quite grown up. Um, and the minute you put in a two-dimensional cow towed on string, right. it's, it's just not the same. Right. Um, so, it's going to help the story. Right, and it doesn't help the character. Right. Um, so um, I've been finding myself finding interesting solutions to... A variety of kind of artistic questions so I think so I don't know if that made makes it clear but yeah, I just I think it does I think that sounds great right very, very great um, and I think that's a positive too you're saying I'm more creative it would be a shame I think if, if you found yourself in the opposite of saying well since since I've been here it's, it's <laughs> oh no no good good uh, well we're gonna take just a one-minute break everybody will be back for our 20 questions segment of the big interview show in just a minute you're listening to WCCR 94.5 the Crossroads. Listening to the big interview show with me, Jeremiah, right here on 94.5. Thanks so much, by the way, for listening to the big interview show. I'd encourage you to find it on the Facebook and to like this program as well. We're here uh, still for another, I don't know, 15 minutes or so uh, with uh, Mr. Carl Walling, Carl Walling of the University of the Cumberland's Theater Department. Uh, and we're talking a little bit about everything. And we've reached our final segment of the program, uh, the 20 questions uh, segment. Uh, and uh, like I've, I've said uh, in the past, 
Uh, if, if you're going to be a guest on this show in the future, expect these same 20 questions. These are not targeted at anybody uh, for any particular reason, just a nice hodgepodge of things to ask. Uh, and so uh, are you ready to, to tackle these? We've got 20 questions and we got uh, 15 minutes-ish. Okay. All right. Uh, what is the latest book or movie that made you cry? Oh, boy. Um it would have been helpful if I figured out the first question before. <laughs> um, made me cry. Pass. Um, no, no option. Um, I will admit, you know, uh, the, the first Star Trek, the revised Star Trek um, that the, was made. The J.J. Abrams. The J.J. Abrams. As much as I despise uh, both films. Um, and <laughs> I, I'm sorry for that, folks. I know it's widely popular. I know there's a lot of people who are just incredible fans of it. Um, I, I'm not one of you. Uh, and I'm sorry for that. Um, I actually found the opening sequence uh, in the first one they made actually yeah. quite touching. Um, this kind of reboot of Kirk and how it comes comes about. I won't say I cried, but I do did find it that it was a very emotional yeah, scene. Yeah, I think I think um, you know, um, I, I in contrast to you, I am, am a fan of those films, but I think that those first ten minutes were by far the most beautiful and emotionally mm -hmm. gripping. Um, yeah, I agree that that was that was good stuff. Uh, question number two. Mm -hmm. What fictional character is most like you? Um, since we're on the Star Trek, uh, like maybe maybe to go with that. And, okay. Um, Just run with it. Uh, Chief O'Brien. Interesting. From, from Next Generation Deep yeah. Space Nine. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go with that for right now in this in this format. Um, okay. Um, this is kind of uh, person who's. Uh, Works a lot behind the scenes, but is who isn't creative in some regards, um, but is somebody who holds everything together, um, in regardless of what he's doing. So, that's an interesting choice. Cool, mm -hmm. cool. Um, question number three: The greatest album ever, in your opinion, is? Um, I'm a really big fan of uh, British folk uh, and electronica. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Beth Orton is actually one of my favorite artists. Um, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Beth Orton. I'm not. Um, I'll have to Google. Um, I actually really like her music and the fusion of the two styles um, between this kind of a cult, uh, uh, acoustic kind of folk uh, guitar with a little bit of electronica uh, in, in between and a little bit of pop. Uh, Passing Time is actually one of my favorite albums. It's kind of a collection of all of her stuff. So That sounds good. I'll have to check it out. Uh, here's a good question based on some of your previous responses. Star Trek or Star Wars? Uh, Star Trek, but not the recent version. Okay. Okay. We'll leave uh, anything before in Deep Space Nine and earlier. Okay. Okay. Um, what's one way that, that we can make a positive difference uh, in this world? Um, not to be cliche, but uh, pay it forward. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, that, um, you know, we get on... We succeed on the basis of people who believe that we can succeed, and being able to continue that trend forward, I think, is really important. Yeah, I agree. That's something that I believe a lot in too. Is is that somebody helped you get where you are, so you sh you should help other people. Um, in that sense, um, what is something that most people don't know about you? Uh, well, unfortunately, we've already hit upon it, but uh, I am uh, an avid curling fan and curler. Um, and did do a lot with uh, college curling, uh, um, 
both as somebody who taught people how to curl uh, later when I got really good, good decent with it, um, but also competing competitions. So uh, I've curled in Canada as well as a couple other states in the United States. Awesome. Um, so. We still need to go, by the yes. way. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Let's make that happen. Um, this next one is the theological juggernaut that I want everybody about. Uh, what do you think about Jesus' claims to be the way, the truth, and the life? Um, well, it, this is uh, John 14. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things I think that's interesting about this is just this kind of uh, sense of refocusing back on uh, the center. Yeah. Um, that you go through a lot of John and um, you go through the, not the journeys, but the, you know, the trials and tribulations. Yeah. And then you get back to John 14 and it's, okay, everybody refocus here. This is what, you know, it's about. Um, so I think it's really uh, a refocusing. Okay. Um, this next one uh, may be uh, purposely uh, chosen after number seven. Uh, how do you relieve stress? How do you deal with stress, Carl? Um, I try to get and go home, uh, <laughs> relax. Um, one of the things I really enjoy about uh, is playing a sport uh, or watching a sport um, or just doing something creative, uh, whether that's sculpture, art installation, just something that's... Uh, artistic that's not necessarily tied to an actual existent piece of work. What accomplishment are you the most proud of? Um, I'm actually really uh, quite pleased that I have my MFA uh, in design. Um, mm -hmm. um, I'd like to say my PhD, but I'm still working on that. Um, but I find that uh, after going through that and that process, uh, I ended up doing a lot of design work and a lot of um, a lot of my teaching based off of that uh, experience. Um, so uh, I'm really quite pr proud of that. Um, and going through the process, the thesis, that is fun for everybody who goes through a master's thesis or a doctoral uh, dissertation. Um, and being able to qualify everything that you do, why you make your decisions the way you do. What do you want to be remembered for Whew. when all is said and done? Hopefully for making uh, the world a little bit better and uh, hopefully yeah. uh, getting people to think about art as, uh, as an integral part of society. Mm. Mm. Uh, of those who've come before, mm -hmm. uh, who are the most inspirational? In other words, who, who are your heroes? Oh, boy. Um, I think um, I had some, you know, they say you have really great teachers when you go through education. Um, I had a couple of really great teachers at uh, Susquehanna University, um, and then I had a really fabulous uh, teacher at uh, Kent State University who uh, really helped me get kind of on the right path for what I need, wanted to do for my career. So uh, I would say them. Okay. That, that's good. That's good. Um, uh, I guess you can't say curling for this next one, uh, but do you have any other hidden talents? Um, I enjoy board gaming. Me too. So. Do you have a favorite board game? This is not part of the 20 questions. This is bonus. Ooh. Um, gold star and all. Um, yes. um, a lot of my board games are kind of kind of an odd variety of board games. Um, this is a really cool kind of Cold War board game called Twilight Struggle that deals with uh, the Cold War and kind of political structure. Uh, but that's way... It's not Monopoly or yeah, something like yeah. that. And those games are fun. Uh, but I did a lot of kind of uh, strategic games growing up so okay I enjoy it um uh this one is is great i think especially for you is is being so passionate about the arts what creative masterpiece do you wish bore your signature oh boy um 
see, I, I'm torn because I want to say, you know, X, Y, Z. I want to say, you know, the first production of Martha Graham Dance Ensemble or, mm-hmm. you know, this uh, fabulous productions of opera down in Austria, uh, which the sets are amazing. Um, but I actually am quite glad, uh, grateful for the ones I get to do. Um, so um, I actually like the ones I do. So I don't know if I want to uh, commit to a masterpiece. Huh. Um, hopefully over time maybe I'll create something that is that but uh, over time you know um, we'll get there so that sounds good that sounds good Um, what is the best thing Carl that you've ever bought stole or borrowed Um, uh, I think um, best thing I ever bought uh, was I would honestly say a curling broom. And it sounds weird, but that just goes with curling. Like, I got so much use out of that thing for four years. Um, and enjoyed the sport so much. And um, I think that thing traveled more states than I have in some cases. <laughs> um, so, um, probably that or some sort of curling mem- membership. It really helped me get through a lot of uh, doctoral years. Yeah, yeah. Some, some, some stress relief there. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, food or drink is most essential to your life? Um, boneless uh, wings. Mm. Do you have a certain sauce that you like? Uh, uh, Caribbean jerk, actually. Oh, that sounds good. Um, so, um, nice stress-relieving food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, time travel. Mm-hmm. Think about time travel. Mm-hmm. When, where, and why? Uh, and we can go forward in time? Sure. Oh, good. Um we have, case, a, we have an amazing pretend time machine. Okay. Uh, I'd like to go forward in time. Uh, we'll say three years. Um, just kind of see where life is and what it is and what it's like, and then be able to decide whether or not, you know, figure out how to um, adjust as necessary. Yeah. You know? So would you look at, at your own life then? Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think I would have to get there and then decide if I'm completely uh, weirded out by it or not. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it's always a danger. I wouldn't want to change anything that I've done. Yeah. I mean, so, um, and there's always a temptation to kind of do the historical quest, you know, find famous person X and, you know, interact with them. But, right. um, I don't know. I'd rather know more of where we're heading, um, mm-hmm. than where we've been. Cause, so. cause we know where we've been. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you got the chance, uh, what would you want to say to the leader of our country? Um, you know, support the arts. Well said. Well said. Um, what is the best thing about living where you live? Uh, I'm really grateful that I can live somewhere where um, I get to be at this fabulous university, but also um, my wife can work uh, at her fabulous job um, down in Knoxville, and we're able to kind of uh, live in a place where uh, we can make both of those uh, careers happen and be very happy doing it. So, Cool. Cool. Uh, we've got just a couple questions in just a couple minutes. Uh, what are you working uh, on right now? Uh, projects, things like that. In other words, what uh, dreams or goals are you chasing? Uh, right now, I'm actually in the process of uh, finishing up the design for uh, Lindsay Baker's uh, The Dance Center's um, 
dance concert, uh, which will be this weekend. Um, and then I'm hoping to go into some sort of art installation or dramatic uh, art installation um, and work on that and formulate that. Um, I don't know if we'll get anywhere with it uh, over the next six months, but see what happens and uh, hopefully create something that's really um, meaningful. So. And your last question, question 20, mm -hmm. what is the best piece of advice that you've actually followed? Uh, the best piece of advice I've ever ever heard was from, uh, I believe she's the dean at uh, uh, Virginia Tech University, I believe, I'm not completely sure um, at this moment. Uh, she used to be a, a faculty member at University of Toledo. And one of the things she said was that um, if you put your mind to it and you set it, and you start labeling yourself as such, you know, over time, you'll invest yourself in it further and you'll actually start, you know, being part of that. Hmm. Um, she committed herself to the notion that she was going to be an international artist. So there was the label and she had to make good on that label, uh, which is the trick, right? Um, yeah. That you actually have to make that happen. Um, so, and she did, and she's uh, a fabulous artist from everything I've been told. Um, from my perspective, I was interested in doing international theater. Um, so um, how could I be an international theater scholar? Well, set my mind to it. This is what I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to play, place myself. Uh, I told myself I'd go to 10 different countries in five years uh, and study theater, uh, even if it's just for a couple days or you know, yeah. for two or three weeks, whatever I could get out there for. Yeah. Um, and I was able to do it. Wow. Um, and it was just... A fabulous experience and I've got a lot of really great uh, relationships with some fabulous artists overseas um, who hope you know as scholars or as, uh, theater educators um, we all share the goal of kind of um, you know promoting theater and promoting internationalism in the theater because the world is getting smaller we're becoming more global yeah. um, so for us to uh, have those connections I've, I've found really rewarding that's great. And I think kudos to you for, for reaching that goal, too. Uh, you said 10 countries in 10 countries. Years. Mm -hmm. that's, that's awesome. Well, it looks like uh, we are almost out of time. I would love to talk to you more about uh, hopping through all these different countries and uh, uh, observing theater uh, across the world. And, and maybe we can have you on uh, on another edition of the show and, and talk to you a little bit more specifically uh, specifically about that. Uh, Carl, thanks again for being a part of the big interview show today. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. All right. Well, well, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. I'll be back with you next week uh, for another edition of The Big Interview Show. Uh, stay tuned for Everything Under the Sun with Jordan and Haley. That's what's coming up next right here on WCCR 94.5, The Crossroads. Yeah.